Hey, you listening to this podcast right now. Did you ever think, man, there's so many kick-ass market research podcasts. I wish there was some sort of an award for them so I could vote for my favorite. Well, you're in luck. In partnership with Greenbook, Little Bird Marketing is excited, well, actually ecstatic, to announce the first ever annual Market Research Podcast Award. Nominate your favorite Insights Industry podcast from now until February 15th. From February 16th until March 31st, vote for your favorite podcast in the Insights Industry and bestow upon them the title of MR Podcast of the Year. Don't forget, Submissions are due for nomination by February 15th, and the winner will be announced on April 15th at Greenbook's IIEX North America in Austin, Texas. Visit littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash MR hyphen podcast hyphen award. Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. With me today is Sandra Brown. She is the president at Market Dynamics Research Group, and she is cool. So that's why she gets to be on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. It takes one to know one, for sure. (laughs) You know, it's about, I know cool people, and you know cool people, and it turns out those were the same cool people, and so we got to be together. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, you're going to love this today. Sandra is well-versed in just all areas of marketing research, and she has an absolute passion that you'll see come out right away for the actual rigor of research. And that, coupled with her pursuit of innovation, is actually changing the way we're understanding consumer behavior. And I met her at CRC, which you're going to hear a little bit more, that's specifically designed for corporate researchers. And she does that kind of work with one goal in mind helping those kinds of companies uncover rich insights to help make smarter business decisions and smarter marketing decisions. And so I love talking with people who are super smart in their field. And especially at these types of events, we're really talking about more innovative approaches and really a little bit of critical thinking. You're going to hear that a little bit more. But over at MDRG, Sandra is embracing the influence of technology and with behavioral economic advances. And she's really helping the whole team come into an approach that they have called the whole mind approach. And it's a commitment to understanding consumers through both system one and system two. And you hear us talk about those kinds of things a lot. But she has so much experience. She has been working in so many different kinds of industries, tourism, financial services, healthcare, utilities, telecom, and all kinds of CPG. So she's got tons of experience. You're going to love hearing from her. And we're going to talk specifically about some of the things that are important about around innovating, but really also important around what's our goal? What's our what's our mission as market researchers? So Sandra, welcome. Thank you, Priscilla. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah. So talk a little bit. Tell people who don't know about CRC, um, you know, what it's about and what you were doing there. The CRC is the Corporate Researchers Conference. um, And I was there to present our work with French Market Coffee, which is a iconic coffee brand that was struggling to evolve and meet the expectations and needs of younger coffee consumers. The VP of marketing talked about the need to really re-innovate as 
you know, our consumers are exiting the category, which is a funny euphemism for they're just old and they're not <laughs> going to be around very long. When you say that your consumer is dying, what do you mean? <laughs> Meaning they are old and they literally are dying. And so that if this brand, which had been around for 120 years, was going to continue to be around for the next 120 years, they needed to figure out how to bring a younger consumer into their fold. Well, and this is so interesting because you have so much great experience. And I think this is very, in a lot of ways, kind of you to come to these conferences and share a little bit of the the failures and the wins. And that's what that's what I like about that. There's a lot of vulnerability in the conversations we're having because there are also brand new brands that are having these same kinds of problems. And it is interesting to hear about what's the rigor behind market research that helps a brand that is a legacy brand really stay stay current. So tell us a little bit about why you came. And I because it's coffee, believe me, we're going to come back around to the conversation <laughs> you had. Um, but for you personally, why do you, why do you show up to those events? You know, there's a there's a number of reasons. But first and foremost, I would say right now is that the industry, the market research and insights industry, is changing so rapidly. And it's incredibly important to stay on top of what's out there, but also to learn from each other. You know, when I attend these conferences, I'm always challenged in some way to either try something new, partner with another company to really push our work forward, or even just to get the fodder for pushing harder on initiatives within my own company. Because to your point earlier, we have been innovating our own work and the way that we approach clients in the past couple of years. And I think it's very important for us to hear the perspectives of the end clients as to what's important to them and how this innovation is really helping them to do their jobs more effectively. Yeah, I love that. And you and I talked a lot about, you know, the rigor of it, the innovation behind it, the embracing of technology. But also, we ended up in a very interesting conversation that really shot off in a different direction. So I'm going to let my my audience in on this interesting conversation. I'd like to have them hear your thoughts. If you remember, we talked about um, Brett Townsend. He is the head of uh, North America Insights for Electrolux. And you and I ended up talking about his presentation, and I loved your take on it. And so, so tell my audience a little bit about why you thought it was such a great presentation, why it was worth, you know, the, the thought and, and also the continued conversation. Definitely. You know, he talked about the fact that this is such a great time in the insights world. We know so much about how consumers make decisions and really connect to brands. And it's all the things that we're talking about with behavioral science and neuroscience and technology facilitating that. And yet, as insights professionals and market researchers, we don't always have a seat at the table. And that's because we are not thinking about how the work that we do is really pushing the business forward. And he was very specific that what we do in market research and insights needs to be about selling more things. It, we really need to be tying our work to sales. And that's where oftentimes we have failed as researchers and we 
you know, we don't live in a world where we can research nice to know. And if we want to have, you know, if we want to get the attention of the CEO, we have got to start thinking like him or her. Right. I love that idea because on one hand, at a lot of research conferences, it, we do hear a lot of these myopic stories, the tales of, you know, the specifics on ethnography or what a special snowflake a certain methodology is. Or, you know, it, it gets really into the data and into the process. And you're right. It's kind of like, well, isn't that interesting? I think a lot of market researchers are at their core, just curious people. But this earning and really keeping a seat at the C-suite or really being able to use the data in a way where you're talking directly to people who are making a business decision. How did, how, you know, when, when has been a time when you've experienced that and you've, you've, you've sat at that table and you've had something to say and you felt like it went well? Yeah, so those are the kinds of conversations that we really want to be having with with our clients. Um, it's been a bit of a struggle, um, but an example of when that has gone well is exactly this this presentation that I gave and delivered at CRC, which was on this brand, French Market Coffee, and the challenges that they were having, and where would the consumer voice help them to push this brand forward, and what are those KPIs that are going to demonstrate and measure success? I mean, I know we're going to talk about that that case study, but I think it's a perfect example of exactly what Brett was challenging the industry to do. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk, let's unpack that idea of measuring KPIs because I have to admit, you know, I hear it from a lot of people. Sometimes it kind of, I flinch a little bit because I'm like, oh, measure KPIs. It sounds like a buzzword. But really in your day to day, what does it mean? And what is the real, like real value? Like when you have to, when you get to set the, the, you know, the three letters K, P, and I away on a shelf and are really just talking with someone in the C-suite, what are those conversations like? What is the real value there? Yeah, so I think that the the value for us in the industry is that if we can connect the dots for the C-suite between consumer insights and what their ultimate goals are for their companies, for their organizations, we are going to cease to be um, you know, the nice to know or cease to be the partner that when times are great, they bring to the table. But when financial challenges or time constraint challenges emerge, we're easily expendable. You know, I think about some of the work that we've been doing with a large health system client. In, in Well, we've had this client for a long time, but certainly the work that we've been doing in 2019 with their consumer strategy group, they really needed to, here's one good example, Um, they wanted to increase the number of patients and prospective patients who were taking advantage of of the referrals that they were given Mm -hmm. for specialty care. Um, And what they found was only 46% of their patients would actually take the next step and take them up on the referral. So in our work to understand how does a consumer want that to happen? Um, How do they want 
the or the health system to help shepherd them through that. And now what we're able to do is to say, how is that number trending up? Is it 50%? Is it 60%? What does that look like? And I think part of why we've struggled with owning our contribution to sales, or in this case, referrals, is because as researchers, we were cognizant of the fact that there's so many different variables that can come into play, you know, with in terms of looking at these these KPIs and these successes. And yet, going back to Brett's conversation with the CRC attendees, sales isn't having difficulty in claiming their success <laughs> using our insights. Right. Product development isn't. Mm-hmm. So we need to stop saying, well, there's all these other factors that contribute to success. We need to own our own contribution to those increased referrals or, you know, additional widgets that are being sold. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So then KPIs become like that tool, that measurement that give you the proof. Let me give you the proof about how we actually contributed here. Exactly. I want to take a step back just one minute. It's kind of like it makes me think of a bigger, you know, issue at the top where kind of old school what you would think of like advertising is being crammed down someone's throat. You know, the company's not listening. We don't care what the what the consumer says. We just want you to buy more stuff, right? So there's a like very unideal, you know, over there. But I think what I hear you saying is that there's also something to be said for this very myopic, oh, we understand everything that the consumer wants and blah, 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 but we're not making any money. Right. And so it's about really coming into that center and how can we keep harnessing technology, better methodologies, how can we measure better, how can we have better conversations, how can we collaborate better in that middle where that, what you talked about, kind of that sweet spot where consumer insights and what consumers want and customer sentiment maybe and the experience, like you said, how did they want to receive that referral? (laughs) What was the pathway? Where that gets in total alignment with things that are also good for the company and are making money. So let's talk a little bit about that because I do think that is a really good dovetail right into what you guys uh, presented MDRG. And so tell us about what Market Dynamics Research Group presented at CRC. And I, because I thought it was fascinating and I I, I wish, you know, more people could hear a lot of those, um, you know, a lot of those presentations. But for those who weren't there, give us like a, like a, a four or five minute kind of, you know, summary. For sure. So I just want to say one thing to add to what, what you just said. You know, if we aren't, presenting what we have to sell or what our clients have to sell in a way that really meets consumer expectations and consumer needs, Mm -hmm. we're not going to be successful in our efforts because there's so much competition and disruption in so many different industries. And that's where Consumer Insights comes in. Yes, we do need to sell more things, but we're not going to do that unless it's grounded in consumer preferences and expectations. Right. Because you may get some kind of a short win, but it certainly is not going to be sustainable. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that that actually brings me to another word you and I talked about a lot um, when we were at CRC, and that was responsibility. (laughs) What is the responsibility of the market researcher? So, yeah, tie that in a little bit with your presentation and let people know the good stuff you guys guys, uh, uh, showcased. So, as I mentioned, the, the 
presentation was a presentation about how a brand, French Market Coffee, which is a very small niche brand within the overall Riley Foods portfolio, responded to all the disruption and changes that was going on in the coffee industry. You know, and really it's a story about a decision to grow. And while so often it would be great if brands just grow organically, I would argue that most brands reach an inflection point where they have to make a decision to grow the brand. Whether that's large brands like Coke or Pabst Blue Ribbon, those are also very old, iconic brands. But throughout their history, they have adapted and changed and evolved and sometimes reacting to consumer trends, but hopefully anticipating them and finding ways to stay relevant. Right. Some of them are creating the consumer trends themselves. (laughs) Yes. However, enter French Market Coffee. They really, while staying true to their original identity, I would argue, and they would argue too, too true perhaps. And so they were really faced with the challenge of how do they shake themselves out of this stagnation. And it was interesting because this funny, very serendipitous thing happened along the way that ultimately pushed them in this new direction. They, without any consumer insights, launched a cold brew product. They knew that that would be the way into a younger consumer. And lo and behold, it was successful. And then what they had to do is come back to their roots and say, okay, now how do we unpack this success and more effectively and seamlessly layer this into our overall French market coffee brand? And that's when they reached out to us. Mm. You know, I like to think it's in large part because of our whole mind approach. Um, but they, they started with, what do we already know? And which is a place we oftentimes start. We don't start from scratch. And we went back and looked at a at their ANU study and segmented coffee consumers and found that there were these three very distinct segments of coffee consumers. One was their consumer group that was truly exiting the category. They weren't kidding, they were old. And they were not going but they were not relevant to the competitor the primary competitors consumers and absolutely not relevant and appealing to a younger millennial consumer and that's where then we ended up with our cultural anthropologists that we have on staff conducting some consumer ethnography enter technology we're able to do that in a very effective way using mobile ethnography to really understand consumer habits and behaviors and motivations how they're shopping the shelf and from there they were able to then understand what are the assets and opportunities they could, they could really rebuild the brand on you know there's a series of additional pieces of research that looked at positioning work um, the actual creative execution in the pack in the overall package design and at every step of the way the client and their agency had it was a partnership between all three of us really thinking about how do we learn from these consumers in a way that's going to allow us to capitalize on this success become relevant to this younger consumer while still not alienating that core consumer base that has kept us alive all these years. And they did a 
brilliant job at that. And going back to this whole conversation we're having around KPIs, in addition to looking at their brand tracker, which we're conducting for them and being able to see those metrics rise, they are also seeing measurable growth in sales and volume, organic velocity increased by 35%. Wow. It's it's been such a great success story, and it completely dovetails with Brett's talk about the importance of bringing it full circle. Why Mm -hmm. were we doing this in the first place? It's to grow the brand. Right. Okay. I just want to back up on one quote that you actually said. It just was totally music to my ears. And that was literally, it rolled off your off your tongue. It said, using the cultural anthropologist on staff. Yep. <laughs> and let me just tell you, as a cultural anthropologist by trade, I just, I really enjoyed that sentence. Thanks. <laughs> Very nice. Well done. <laughs> Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about this show's sponsor. Hopefully you've noticed, social selling has fundamentally transformed the way consumers gather insight, journey through the buying process, and eventually make purchase decisions. For successful business professionals who need to meet company growth goals, the new roles of social selling excellence must become second nature. Join me on Wednesday, April 8th in downtown Chicago for a full day intensive workshop where participants will begin their own journey to transform their mindset and actions online. Attendees will leave with an actual roadmap for success in building their own firm and sustainable lead generation through proper use of LinkedIn and social selling techniques. For more information, visit littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash DLA hyphen Kickstarter hyphen Chicago. This is a limited engagement, so get your tickets today. This will give you the hands-on training that will get you on an immediate path with an actionable plan to increase your digital selling skills. See you there. So I do love this. Let's get back to this idea here. You, you know, you're talking about having a voice and and being responsible, you know, with the way that we set up research so that we know that we're being responsible with the um, outcomes that they're they're that they're outcomes that are immediately actionable or and maybe immediately actionable is not really the the drive so much. What I hear you saying is that it that at all points. You, as a market researcher and as a market research company, are keeping this really, I guess, what we would call maybe a a healthy self-critique about the work that you're doing and the value that you are actually bringing to the brand. So we're not going off into this tangent of, oh, I love this research, but is this bringing something of value to the company? Yes. And that, that, you know, we have for years in our work always made sure that we started with the question, what's the decision or the business decision that you're trying to make? And from there, the research plan, the proposal emerges. But what I'm, what I have challenged my team with is to even take a step further back from that is to say, not only what's the business decision that you're trying to make, but how is this going to be used to help further the overall goals of the organization? You know, what are the 
KPIs, what are the sales goals that the organization has, but also how does this fit within the the overall strategic plan for the organization? And I think that's a place where market research and the insights industry has not done a, a particularly effective job. We stayed siloed on just the the research task at hand, and that has changed everything about the way that we work with clients. Mm -hmm. Now, how would you bring that up with a client? Because as you mentioned, you know, research has has kind of done a poor job of doing that. They stayed siloed. And so they're not really um, the first people, you know, to talk about collaboration. And, you know, how, how do you think researchers responsible and responding to that idea can start having different conversations with their clients? What does that look like even over at MDRG? Definitely. So I think that that looks different depending on the extent of the relationship that you have with the client. So for clients where we are working extensively with throughout the year, I can talk to you about how that looks. But even if it's just simply a one-off project to get the, the relationship started, it's to really understand and ask questions about how the initiative and how the research ask ladders back to the corporate objectives. And, and then for us and leveraging our cultural anthropologist on staff, making sure that we are understanding the competitive landscape and understanding how our research fits into that landscape. I love that. And it really, you know, it really became evident um, how the findings that emerged were obviously collaborative. Yes. (laughs) That was really cool to see. I think that came out very well in the presentation. So I want to take this maybe a little bit of a different direction. I happen to know that at MDRG, you guys also made a conscious decision to grow. And I think some of these things you're talking about that resonated with you um, from the head of insights at Electrolux and then with what you all were presenting. But also, I think it resonates because I think there's almost a parallel story here with your company and the actual decision to grow. This is an intent and once you you say you you kind of you know put that stake in the ground, what happens to you as a company? How did you guys you, you mentioned that the the coffee company then had to start with well what do we know, and where do we go from here? So tell me a little bit about what what was the lead up? What was happening in two thousand eighteen and two thousand nineteen at your company that really you know saw some changes like this? Sure. So you know we've been around for a long time and have had great success over the years. Sure. But as we began to talk internally about where do we want to grow this business and what's the type of work that really gets us out of bed in the morning? Because at the end of the day, we should all be doing things that we love. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that we love every single thing that we have to cross off on our to-do list every day, but we really should love the work that we do. Otherwise, we don't belong in this industry. And so as we began to talk about that, it really was the work that was far more strategic. And and we were really understanding how our work fits into the broader 
goals of the organization. And so if we were going to do that, not only was it going to change how we worked with clients, but it was really going to change the conversations that, that we were having with clients. You know, and then I think you have to couple that with all of the changes that were occurring in our in the market research space with what we knew from behavioral economics and neuroscience, enter technology, enabling us to really conduct market research in a different way. And so as we threw all that on the table and began to unpack that, for us, it meant we really need to rethink the roles that we play with clients. We need Mm -hmm. to rethink the kinds of conversations. We need to rethink the talent that we're that we're hiring and and really are deliverables. So I can pay that off a bit if you're interested. Yeah, I really think it is interesting. And then I'm going to ask a follow-up question about you as an entrepreneur. But yeah, unpack a few of those. So it resulted in some some changes. You changed some roles. You changed some talent around. You changed some conversations. These are pretty deep things. You And then I love this. You ended by saying that you changed some deliverables. So yeah, unpack any of those. I think they're really interesting. I think people would like to know a for example gear. Right. So one of the, the probably the biggest aha moment for us is as we thought about if we really are going to position ourselves as an insights partner with to our clients we had we had to have a deeper understanding of what their challenges were and how our work fit into their work so for us that meant that in addition to people who had strong research chops, and I have those on staff, (laughs) but we also needed to bring on people who had worked in marketing, who had worked in advertising, who had worked on the product development side, people with consulting experience, so they could help get us out of the, you know, the myopia of how we had been working with clients. That has meant building out a client services team for us so that we have people on staff that are on at their responsibility is to is to the client relationship not mm. necessarily to the work but then ensuring that we're creating significant cohesion across those teams because we need both yeah and clients need both well, for lack of a better word in there, it's like you need to have those people who just don't believe in sacred cows and just say, you know what? It's all up. It's all fodder. It's all feedback. <laughs> and the feedback that matters is what's coming from the client. Is this fitting with, is this answering questions they have? So I really love that idea because I think they kind of keep flowing back and forth to each other because you listen differently then, you know, then you're hearing different things, then you know you have to change the way you present the thing. I mean, it's just, it's this really nice flow that's happening. Um, And one of the other things I'd say about that is, oh, you're just hitting on one of my loves is that you're, you know, what you're telling me is that your company really got, you know, down and dirty and really did some solid persona work. Let's figure out what makes these people tick. Let's figure out if we really can help them. Let's figure out what's keeping them up on Sunday night, what's getting them up on Monday morning, and try and and start speaking to those things that are going to make a difference. Right, exactly. And, and making sure that we are not talking methodologies. We're not just talking about the things that we love. And let's be real, we're researchers. We love to talk <laughs> methodology. But guess what? Clients don't want to talk methodology. Right. They don't want to debate 
the merits of one community platform versus another. Mm-hmm. What they want to know is, is this research design or is this insights plan going to help me accomplish the things that I need to report back right. to my to I, my I totally agree. Yeah, and I have so many market researchers come on, you know, this podcast, and I agree. Nerds be nerds, you know. Yes. But but this idea that it kind of really dovetails back in why Brett's talk even resonated with you because what you what you hear at the bottom of that and what you guys act um, actualized in the um, research with uh, French Market was this responsibility that you have to not be a loyalist to your own cause but be a loyalist to solving the problems of your client. Exactly. And it also changes the way that we deliver insights back to clients. Right. You know, we, we, I remember the days of the 150 page deck that then the client (laughs) had to wade through. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and we have spent a lot of time in 2018 and particularly in 2019 reimagining the deliverables that we provide back to clients. And it's no longer a single 160-page deck. That might still be a deliverable for certain clients, but it starts with quick insights, using a storytelling perspective to tell the story of the data and how it's going to help them answer the questions. There was one consultant that we worked with who used this framework, snack bite meal. Mm-hmm. Give them a snack of what are the insights that you're seeing, then serve them up a bite size, which may be oftentimes for us, it's the first 20 slides or so of a deck that a client can lift, deliver to an internal audience, and it tells the story of the data. And the meal is the rest of the deck that if someone who really wants to geek out on all the numbers and unpack it, it's there for you. I but it's that. not required. I love that. So I, I love ending with that about deliverables because in the end, that that you know presentation meeting to the client needs to be something that is not um, easily napped through. I mean, they spent a lot of money getting great insights and it needs to, you know, it should be exciting. It should be enlivening. And it should be engaging. And if it's not, then I, I'm I'm not sure that we've asked the right questions because these were the questions that were pressing for them. So they were the, the things they longed to hear. So if then the presentation and the deliverables fall short on that, then somehow there's some lack of alignment. Right. And we might have asked the right questions, but we're absolutely not serving it back to them in a way that they can snack on and bite off easily. Right. And that's everything from the way that you're presenting the insights or the story back to making sure that we have presentations and reports that are easy to uptake. So we're working with a designer on every single report that goes back to clients. Nice. Takes the time, but worth it, right? 
Absolutely. It worth, it. It's worth it. Okay. I've got a personal question for you as the president and founder of MDRG. You talk about how much your company changed in 2018, 2019. You shifted and you were like, well, who do we want to be? You know, um, you know, what kind of work do we want to be doing? What kind of solutions do we want to be providing? What kind of collaborations we, we want to be a part of? So what was that like for you as the president bringing so many people to the table and really switching up what you were doing, how you started the company? What, what, is there some kind of a, you know, a, a memory you have about that or just, you know, a, a thought about was that hard for you? Was that easy for you? And, and was it an enjoyable process or not? So the impetus of it was I was invited to participate in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program. Mm -hmm. And it fundamentally changed the way that I viewed my business. Awesome. I cool. stood up on the first day. You know, there's, a, there's usually a cohort of about 50 people. And I stood up on the first day, introduced myself, introduced my company, explained what we do, and then said, I have a successful company despite myself. And what I meant by that is I... I'm a very good researcher. I love and am passionate about market research, but I had no idea what I was doing from a marketing and a business planning perspective. Mm, interesting. And so that gave me the framework for growing the business. And from there, I began to really bring on talent that could help me achieve those goals. So KPIs for ourselves. Wow. It's like um, we joke around all, all the time, you know, we're a marketing company who actually does marketing on ourselves first. But we're such a rarity because it's always that case of the cobblers, you know, kids who have no shoes. And I find that a lot in market research. I kind of joke around with a lot of market researchers and they're like, I'm like, well, when was the last time you guys did market research on yourselves? They just laugh, you know. It's, <laughs> so it's really true. <laughs> it is true. But it's very cool to hear you say this, this, you know, this reflective. Again, we kind of come back to that idea of healthy self-criticism, you know, what are we doing here? And is this the work we want to be doing? And then some of that becomes fun. How do I engage? How do I get the right people around me, you know, in order to help me make that happen? But I love hearing that, applying some rigor to really coming out into the market differently. And certainly, um, you know, how you all have embraced technology and really a differentiation, coming into the market with a differentiation. The whole mind approach is is a very different and, and, and proprietary system. Um, and, and I think it shows. It shows to me when other people do the work to understand how is your work going to be received. Yes. And, you know, I think about all of the different technology solves and solutions that are out there right now, and there are so many. It can be overwhelming. We, as an industry have to really look at these and say which one of these are really going to make our work better. And so we've part of our own innovation and and you know reclaiming our role in the insight space was to build out an internal team that's constantly vetting all these new tools and methodologies, not because we want to bring those to the forefront of our conversations with clients, but which ones are ready for prime time. That's sort of our internal metric mm -hmm. and which ones are really going to make our work better or which ones are just kind of the cool, sexy, new 
tool on the, yeah. uh, you know, on the horizon. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. You and I could talk forever. So we got to wrap up. So let's do a quick rapid fire just so people get to know a little bit more about you. I did kind of end on a more personal note. And I know that a lot of the entrepreneurs and co-founders and founders and presidents that are in my audience appreciate that kind of a, you know, a little bit more of a human approach. But so share with me um, best and worst advice you've ever received as a professional. Sure. So the best, uh, let me start with the worst piece of advice (laughs) that I ever received. And that is stay under the radar. Mm. You know, if we want to be thought leaders and we want to be part of the conversations that the C-suite is having, and I think this is particularly important for women, we need to be willing to tout our successes be the voice in the room that is being listened to. We need to understand and show the our C-suite clients and other women what success and confidence looks like. So I think that's a terrible piece of advice. I love it. I love it. You know, a lot of people complain to me, um, oh, I didn't, I went to that conference and there were so many men presenting. And I'm like, you know what? I am a lot of times privy to the conversations where the organizers are trying to get the right speakers. And I have been privy to a lot of conversations where they have asked women and the women have turned them down. Mm-hmm. And so as much as we want this parity and we want to be seen and we want to live above the, the radar, that means we all have to go live above the radar. Yes. And it's a risk and there's it. vulnerability there, but yeah. it's worth it. Sandra and I can do it. You can do it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? So best piece of advice that I've ever received truly is, was from my mother and she told me to make my bed every morning and you'll start your day organized and I still do it. And I recently got married a year ago and I had to teach my husband that it was a (laughs) non-negotiable, but it really does keep. It's it's just such a great – the way that you start your day, whether it's make your bed or making sure that you're being intentional about what you want to accomplish that day and living into that is so incredibly important. I love it. It just can be – making your bed can be a meditation. Did you hear that? <laughs> That's good. Okay, so are you a big podcast person or is there a podcast new to you? You know, there's a couple that I do – listen to on a fairly regular basis. Okay. Um, I, I, so I do love podcasts. Um, there's a lot of other places. I, I read a lot of books as well, um, but I do love them. So what do you like the best? What, what's kind of your current favorite? Sure. Um, so the, the one that's been a mainstay for a long time is the daily from the New York times. Oh, gosh. I don't go a day junkie. without it. That's yes. so good. Um, <laughs> but another one that I think is really interesting that people should at least give a look, see is called the next big idea. Mm-hmm. And cool. it's the idea that, first of all, it's, it's featuring thought leaders like Susan Cain and Malcolm Gladwell and other, others like that. But it's the idea that, Oftentimes, there are these very simple, groundbreaking ideas that really have the ability to change the way that we live and work and think. And so, for example, one of those that I just listened to is Zachary Woods was interviewed, and he has his book, Uncensored. And his book is about the dynamic 
perspective of free speech and dissenting opinions. And what was fascinating about this podcast was he was talking about the importance of really listening to alternative viewpoints and understanding what's beneath those positions and what's driving those, particularly in this political discourse that we have going on. Um, And so what does that look like for him? He and his friends who had a different political perspective they each switched their social media habits for a week. Oh, man. And then came back and had a more meaningful conversation. How interesting. Because we do get just myopic uh, again in that. I love it. I love it. So what about an app? Do you have a go-to app that's just a you couldn't take off your phone if you tried? The New York Times crossword puzzle. I'm <laughs> So, so you're smart. <laughs> so you said you re- you read quite a bit. Is there something that you is just a favorite book, or you come back to all the time, or something you're reading right now? My favorite book is the one typically that I'm reading right now. Love it. And two that I'm reading right now. One on the business side that's probably more relevant to this group is Liz Wiseman's book Multipliers. It's really the idea how of how the best leaders make everyone smarter and really bring out the intelligence of the people around them rather than being idea killers or having to be the smartest person in the room. Multipliers really inspire people when they walk into a room Mm, and I love it. And it's really um, effective and has been very effective for growing my team. Well, and loving your, your take on, you know, in, in uh, bringing in brain science and really allowing, you know, how, how do ideas even get started? How do we, you know, how, what is the cognition, the path, the pathway that we take for new ideas? That's, I can totally see that curiosity thread in you. So what about a blog? Are you a blog reader or, or not? Or I read a few blogs. The one that on the professional side that I do read is, Next-gen market research, I mean, it's really helping me to stay ahead of the disruptive change that's going on that we've been talking about. Um, and it gives me uh, ideas to ping my team to look into <laughs> for our own innovation work as well. But that's the one currently that I'm really enjoying. I love it. I love it. And I got to say, if you have not visited the MDRG website, you're going to love it. It is just, it is very cool visuals. And Sandra, it is obvious that you have taken the time to meaningfully put a marketing system around, you know, the real, the the way you want to work and the way you want to show up in the world. So go check them out at mdrginc.com. MDRG is the market research firm that mines data for deeper meaning and they are unlocking the whole mind for deeper insights. And I think you're really going to like the website. So go check it out and read a little bit about how they do the thing they do. Sandra, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Priscilla. It has been my pleasure and delight. (laughs) Awesome. From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.